a quiet week of Premier League football has given way to the NFL playoffs finally being set. Welcome to the Two Half Show. Hello, people, and welcome back to the Two Half Show. Osama, it's good to have you back as my co-host. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And thank you guys for your recent support on our videos on podcasts. Uh, all we can ask is for you to keep sharing, subscribing, uh, and liking, of course. Leave your comments and, and tell us what you think uh, of our opinions. Like I said in the opener, a bit of a quiet week uh, regarding Premier League football. The Premier League took a break for the third round of the FA Cup. Talk a little bit about the rest of Europe as football has returned to the other domestic leagues, as well as, of course, opening up with the NFL playoffs uh, as our starting point, given that they are finally set after week 18 of the NFL season. And let's start right there, Osama. The NFL playoffs have been set, and to be fair, not, not too far away from what we predicted at the start of the summer. Let's give a quick rundown for anyone who hasn't seen it. The Kansas City Chiefs with a bye uh, for the, in the first round in the AFC, and Philadelphia hold on to the number one seed and the bye in the NFC. Miami will be at the Buffalo Bills uh, after their win and the Patriots' loss. The Ravens will be playing Cincinnati in a replay of, of course, this weekend's game. Uh, and the Chargers will be at Jacksonville in one of the most fun games uh, in the playoffs. Of course, the winner of that would play the Chiefs. Uh, on the NFC side, of course, we have the Seahawks facing up against the 49ers, arguably the best team in the NFC. And the Giants playing the Minnesota Vikings in a very intriguing matchup, as well as Dallas and Tampa facing each other. The winner of that, of course, facing the number one seed, Eagles. Osama, an interesting ending to the NFL. There was many kind of there was there was many ways that that last week could have gone. Um, of course, the one of the most intriguing was the seventh seed in the AFC, where you had Miami, you had uh, the Patriots, and also you had Pittsburgh all going for that. Um, and Miami managed to hold on with a a very very tough win uh, at the Jets with their third string quarterback of course two is out and Teddy Bridgewater's out who who do you think was unlucky to kind of miss out because there's two teams that I really feel I would have liked to see in the playoffs because they went on a very very hot run at the end and it was the Lions or potentially the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mike Tomlin managing to continue to have another winning season after having a horrific start which one of them teams would you have preferred to see make it into the playoffs uh, I think for me I've got to say the Lions I thought uh, they've had a really good season uh, they've been one of the best offensive teams going forward. And th the thing is, offensively, it can be really good, but it's just defensively if you're kind of allowing teams to get past you or get through you really easily, it's what's going to cost you. And I think that's what... Uh, but, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how they're going to be next year and how they're going to line up, um, knowing that they've got two picks at the top 10. So, uh, yeah, I think if they improve their defensive, it's going to be really good to see because, obviously... Uh, I think the game on the weekend where they beat the Packers, even though they already knew that they were out, they still put on a show and obviously knocked out the Packers as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Right. Yeah, the, 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 that final game was a real representation of, of them as a team and why a lot of people like them. They're so aggressive in the, the way that they play. They take it from an analytics point of view, but as well as just like a, they got a dog in them. Like They literally mm. are a crazy with DC at the helm. They're just... A very a team that you just love watching because of how good they are going forward, like with their offense. 
Their defense needs to pick up next season. 100%. If their defense picks up next season, they've already got Hutchinson, who's been a class act for them. They've sought out the rest of it, and Goff can take another step forward. We've seen him struggle in the last few years, but he really put it on this season. If he can do that again, I think they can be a... You know, if they made it into the playoffs, none of the top teams would have wanted to play him because on the day, they can they can beat you easily. Mm. So uh, that's a good shout. Pittsburgh would have been nice, of course, as well. Mike Tomlin, and again, having a winning season one of the best if not the best coach in the NFL uh, Kenny Pickett came in at the end and obviously uh, gave him something different that Tomlin was able to work with uh, it was just sadly too late but 9-8 and eight with the start they had was, is incredible so both teams to look out for next season I think but the Lions a bit more but let's come to the playoff games that we have now Yeah. Um, the weekend will kick off of course with the NFC with the 49ers facing the Seahawks a bit of a mismatch, probably, as you look at it, where they are right now. But um, who do you think comes out of that one? And, and what, what kind of other permutations around that? Uh, I think for me, obviously, being a 49ers fan, um, I'm going to have to stick by my team. Uh, I think they're probably the, the best team um, in the NFC itself. Um, all around, I think, offensively and defensively. It's the first return back into the Super Bowl uh, in three years. And I think... It's probably the perfect return that they can make, knowing that they've got a really good chance to go through. Um, I think defensively they've been absolutely solid, and obviously, and obviously having our rookie Brock Purdy um, in quarterback, I think he's proven um, a lot of people or his doubters wrong where the thought a, a rookie quarterback can't really take a team further, and he actually has done. And it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to perform against Seahawks. Yeah, Brock Purdy has been absolutely sensational in the way. And I think with that, Kyle Shanahan offense will always work around the, the skill set that the quarterback has. Now, What we've se- I think he's the kind of coach that can take any quarterback, look at his strengths, highlight them, to, and cover his weaknesses. And he's done that with Brock. And Brock's come in, he's been better than what people would have expected him to be. No one would have kind of held it against him if he, if he looked a little bit more reserved. Mm. But he's already thrown for the most... Uh, touchdowns that any rookie quarterback has for the 49ers he will be the first quarterback to make a Super Bowl if they make it that far I can't put it against them for me they're my pick from the NFC they're the best team they're the most rounded team they have a pro bowl in almost every skill position they are going to be a tough team for people to beat Uh, so I'm agreeing with you there I think listen the Seahawks can they give them problems of course divisional rival can always come up and, and, and cause issues I don't think they will, though. I think I think the 49ers win comfortably, probably by di- double digits, uh, and, and and go all the way, to be honest with you. But uh, next up, of course, we have the New York Giants against Minnesota. Now, it's a bit of a strange game, this, because, again, you have Brian Dayball, an, a, a, a potential coach of the year candidate for the New York, and Minnesota started off strong. Yeah. Had many doubters. Started to kind of give credence to them doubts where they start to struggle a little bit. But they've made it through. They've won that division. It wasn't a terribly tough division to win, to be fair. I think this is one of the closely close games to call because we've seen these two teams play a couple of weeks ago and it took a last-minute field goal for Minnesota to win it. So I think this is a tough one to call, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's going to be a difficult one, um, knowing how good that the Vikings have started the season. And they've kind of not declined, but kind of gone backwards in, in terms of pushing The further. ability to win. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, so it's going to be really difficult to choose. Uh, I think if I had to kind of put uh, a team through, uh, I'd probably stick to the Vikings 
knowing full well how they've started the season and how they can kind of continue on. Yeah, that, I mean, listen, that's a good shout. It's a good shout. I, I think this one is tough. I want to go with the Vikings as well, but Kirk Cousin, primetime Kirk, has given me some little bit of a, a second guessing that one. Do you know what? I'm going to go with the Giants. I'm going to go with the Giants. I, oh. I don't know how I feel about that pick. I, I think this is a close game where either team can can go through, um, but I'm going to go with the Giants, I think. I think after that close game, they might have figured them out. I think Saquon has a big game uh, and they go through. Uh, finally, let, uh, let's look at the uh, final game in the NFC where we have the Dallas Cowboys against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, it's a weird game because we've seen the Dallas, Cow- the Dallas Cowboys. are So, guys, for, for someone who hasn't watched, doesn't watch the NFL, the, the Dallas Cowboys are similar to United. They haven't won in a long time. They're probably the team that has the most media around them, the most hype around them every year, and they sometimes fail to deliver. And with this season, they finally looked good throughout the season, which was weird. It was Mm. like, okay, the Cowboys might be serious this season. And then that game last week, well, this weekend just gone, has really made put question marks around them because it showed a level of emotional immaturity, I felt. Because they kind of thought, oh, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna win the division anyway. The Eagles probably aren't gonna lose. Who cares? And they threw away a win to the Giants that they should have really won with the Giants not playing the, you know, the starters. It's a weird game, and then you've got Tampa Bay, who have not looked good all season, but looked good last week. So it's a, it's a bit of a weird game. Who, who are you picking? Are you going with Tom Brady and the Bucks to, to kind of push through one more game, or do you think the Cowboys will have too much for them? Uh, I think for myself, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick to Tom Brady and the Bucks. Uh, I think offensively, yeah, like you're right to say that they have dropped their scoring points uh, in comparison to last seasons. But I think, yeah, Brady just gives you something different. Um, he's just got that demeanor about him where it comes to the playoffs and he's just a different guy. Inevitability. Kind uh, of yeah, thing. it's like that experience that he has that can kind of push on. Do you think their defense is good enough though? Uh, no. I think that that's the issue but for them going far, isn't it? Like their defense will hold them back going going far, but in this game, is is it for you? Is the reason for you? Is it just that you can't trust the Cowboys? For sure. the The problem is with with Dak is is the level of of turnovers he gives and the interceptions he throws is really high. I think they'll have enough for Tampa. I think Tampa playing some of their starters last week wasn't a great decision. I think after that, the Cowboys might look at themselves and think, "Okay, we need to we need to fix up." But you know, I'm, they don't fill me with confidence. But I do think they'll they'll edge they'll edge Tampa Bay. Uh, let's come on to the AFC side now. This is probably the more intriguing, probably the stronger conference. Um, Miami banged up, Tua maybe maybe not playing against the Bills, who you know after the Demar Hamlin injury, of course, and, and we're happy to to hear that he's he's healthy and he's been discharged. They have a feeling of the team of destiny about them. Can you just see this going one way with the Bills Bills winning? Uh, yeah, I think that the the game's just come at a worse time for the Dolphins. I think the Bills have been really good this season. Uh, I think, yeah, Josh Allen has had like an outstanding season and not really being able to play or us thinking that he might not play, it kind of gives the Bills the advantage of actually winning. And I think a lot of fans or a lot of pundits would, stick with the Bills because I think they're more dominant and yeah of course I think it's just a for us it's a straightforward game thinking the Bills are going to be so yeah it's going to yeah, be interesting I, I, see, I see what you're saying the, the Bills are probably going to be the team that 
Uh, yeah, the Bills are going to take this. I, I think with Miami, if they if they had a couple of weeks with Tua back uh, and just kind of getting through going through the gears, I think I think they have a chance. But I think with the level of dominance the Bills have, the fact that they're at home, the team of destiny storyline, I think the Bills dominate uh, and win this one. The Ravens versus Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati, one of the most exciting, if not the most exciting team in the AFC. The Ravens, unsure if Lamar is going to be back or not, doesn't want to risk it. Is he's not still not been paid? He doesn't want to kind of put himself in a position where he might get injured or his stock might fall. Is this a straight win again? A straightforward win for the Cincinnati Bengals, or do you think that the Ravens can cause them a problem? I think I've got to give a big shout out to uh, Joe Burrow, who's been an elite player for the Bengals this season. I think he's just shown his uh, passing that has kind of just allowed the team to flourish. And yeah, I think defensively. It still remains a key for the Bengals, but I think, yeah, they can actually do it and kind of push up to the playoffs again. Yeah, that's that's a good shout. I like that shout. Uh, for me, the Bengals are, are walking this, to be fair. Um, finally, the final one, probably the close, most closely matched up game in the Chargers and the Jaguars. The Jaguars with an amazing run to, to make it even to, to, to this point. The Chargers recovered from all them injuries, looking good again. Mike Williams is injured for the next game potentially, which might be an issue. But you got two young quarterbacks. Both of them can put themselves in that top five candidate for the best quarterback in the NFL with a win here. Who are you riding with? Are you riding with Justin Herbert or with Trevor Lawrence? Uh, for me, I've got to say Justin Herbert. I think uh, the Chargers are peaking at the right time, uh, offensively and defensively. They're coming into this game with uh, a five-game win streak. And obviously, I think going into the playoffs, you need a bit of confidence. And yeah, I think the defensive side now, it seems more stable than it was earlier within the season. And I think, yeah, they've just got too much within Justin to k- kind of not go through. So I, I think for me, I've got to choose the Chargers. Mm, I- I'm going to disagree with you on this one. Listen, uh, Justin Herbert is in lead. I think he is a top-five quarterback. I... I love the way he plays. His, you know, he's got the arm strength that that many people love in a quarterback. So, I, I, I really like him. I just don't know whether them as a team. I think the injuries, the fact that they played a lot of their starters last week, might come to bite them. And I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars have a lot of momentum behind them. Trevor Lawrence hasn't been incredible the last couple of weeks, even though he's been better lately. I just, I'm gonna go with the team with the momentum, and I could be wrong. Then Chargers make it through because they are probably on paper the better team. Yeah. But I'm going to go with the underdog here and I think I'm going to go with Jacksonville uh, to win that. But uh, guys, what we'll do next week, we'll come back and have a look at our our predictions for these and, and kind of look back at uh, the best performers uh, as, of course, we, we head into the divisional round and things really get heated up with the number one seeds uh, joining the party, of course. Uh, it's going to be a good one, isn't it, Sam? We, what we need to do, we need to do a Super Bowl party for, for this year, don't you think? Yeah, man, it's going to be interesting. Let's move away from from the NFL. Uh, like we said, a quiet week in in football, but not many surprises in in the FA Cup uh, as it goes. Some of the kind of the smaller Premier League teams have been kicked out, but none of the big boys have, have really been kicked out, apart from Chelsea, of course, who got dominated by Manchester City. We'll come on to them, but Liverpool, of course, Liverpool uh, struggling but managing to get the replay uh, against Wolves in a game where. VAR really did Liverpool some favours, uh, don't you think? But uh, ultimately, you got the replay. I don't know whether that's a good thing, to be fair, with how stuck the, the, the games are, are, coming, mm. are coming through, if they're confessed at the moment. Yeah, I think <laughs> a, a, 
I'd probably say Klopp would rather lose than actually play a replay. Uh, I think he just gives the players a bit more rest and kind of allows them to obviously work in his tactics and kind of work within the team again. Um, I think the replay doesn't suit Liverpool. I think Wolves will be up for it, seeing as though they're playing at home, they've got the fans behind them. And they probably should have and won that game. Yeah, no, no, rightly so. I think they they were the better side on the day. And yeah, they had chances, but I think Liverpool were fortunate that yeah, I, I thought you were very fortunate. But listen, it might work in your favour. To be fair, replays are always different, even though the other team is at home. Uh, you know, it might act, you might come through the win. How, what do you think of Gakpo's performance? Uh, I think he was okay. I think it's just... Uh, obviously, look, you're going into another, a new country. Uh, he already knows the language. He needs to learn how to play within the Liverpool team. Uh, I think a lot of Liverpool fans accept, expected a lot from him. Um, but I think it's, it's too much too soon. Uh, usually with Klopp, he always starts his new signings. Um, he kind of like eases him in the team. With this one, it was a kind of a shock where he started him straight away in his first game. Uh, obviously, he got an assist for Salah's goal, but it was a bit fortunate. Yeah, I, I didn't think he he played too, but I, I, mm. the Nunes finish was crazy. Yeah, I loved that. Wow. That, was, that was incredible. To be fair, uh, yeah. Elsewhere, Manchester United a comfortable win on on Friday night. Again, of course, we like complimenting Marcus here, but. You know what impressed me with that performance? That that truly shows you what we're like. When a player is world class, they can win you a game even if they don't score. Before that last minute goal, of course, which he scored uh, the penalty. Even before that, he won the game for United without scoring. So uh, an easy win for Manchester United. They go into the next round, of course. Uh, let's come on to Chelsea and uh, uh, Manchester City. So Manchester City dominant again, uh, beating Chelsea with all, many of their starts on the bench. Uh, Chelsea's a very weird, very weird story at the moment because. Mm. We're seeing them struggle on the pitch. Potter isn't getting the kind of players that he wants. He's getting the Todd Bowley's vision of football manager and, and getting the players that he... he, 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 he he's, he's kind of getting forced players onto him. Mm. And on the pitch, they're, they're struggling. There are a lot of injuries. They're playing many, many youngsters, especially in defence, which is what that Chelsea team is built on. Uh, and, and you're seeing you know, Hall, for example, players who are playing that, that many fans won't know. Where did, what, what's the problem, do you think, at Chelsea? Uh, I think it's the whole structure of the club. Uh, firstly, I think the structure doesn't seem right, that you've got your owner who's going out and buying players that possibly your manager doesn't even need. And I think the whole strategy of the club is at probably at the worst possible stage that they need, knowing that 16 months ago that they won the Champions League, they had uh, the best manager in Europe, um, according to um, UEFA and the trophies that they won they had the best player in terms of Jorginho who again won the best player within the Euros and so on and I think you think 16 months later that this team is looking absolutely different who's playing with no confidence yeah the whole yeah. strategy from the summer didn't make sense like, I, I, listen I, Potter's an amazing manager I don't blame them for going for him but if you're going to go for him go for him before the transfer window closes so he can sign his players if you suck to shell after he signed his players a week after the windows closed him, that makes no sense. Mm. And then even when it comes to January, not letting Potter sign the players that he wants, and and now of course we've seen them sign Jao Felix in a deal that, you know, the more information we get about it, the the more confusing the deal sounds. We're gonna come on to Atletico Madrid in a bit, but that's a very good deal for Atletico Madrid because what they're doing, the reason why they're asking him go, to go out uh, on loan is that so they can give him a new contract which will be signed until 2027. So he's signing a new contract to 2027. Well, what's the point of that? Don't they want to get rid? No, they don't really want to get rid of him. though. And, and he doesn't necessarily want to leave as well. It's just that they're going to extend that. So this is a little bit of financial 
kind of explanation, but so they can amortize his price that they paid for him. So they can spread that cost across the years of his contract. So for example, let's assume a player signs for 100 million for a club and he signs a five-year contract. What you do is you spread that cost across the five years. So it's 20 million a year rather than 100 million lump sum for FFP reasons Mm. uh, and for financial management reasons. So for them, they've let him sign a new contract extending his years. They can spread the cost out more. He's happy to go for, for six months. Simeone potentially leaving. We'll come on to that later. And Jao Felix goes to Chelsea. Chelsea pay 11 million plus his wages, which are ridiculous. And and it's basically a holiday for him for five months. It's a weird deal, isn't it, that, that Chelsea would do, to be fair? Uh, I think the, the, Is it another example of them just going for players that other clubs wanted? Yeah, I think for sure. I think if you look at their strategy, like I said, it, it makes no sense. You've got a strike that's not scoring in Aubameyang, which is understandably why they're not really performing well and why they're not scoring a lot of goals. But I think with that, you're getting kind of like a false nine. Um, you've got a similar play in Havertz. So why bring in another false nine type of striker that kind of doesn't improve your team or doesn't provide you enough goal-scoring opportunities? Yeah, and, and then potentially in Kunku as well in the summer. Yeah. Like, it's, like, a, it's, it's a weird... It's The whole thing's very weird. Like, if them... Havertz hasn't been good. I like Havertz as a player. In, I liked him in the Bundesliga, but wow, watching him play at the moment really, really is painful. I, I think speaking to a lot of Chelsea fans, um, now some of them have gone a bit extreme and they won't pot it out. I think they've listen, said... Listen, for me, for me, it's this. I, I think they won't pot it out because they're comparing him to what to Sheldon. Fair enough. Listen, okay? Chelsea's amazing. No, this is not Potter's team. Like, you, you're no, not no, I understand giving, that. And for me... If Potter gets sacked, his stock has not gone down whatsoever from from Brighton. Like he's his stock is still very high because of how good he is, and and you can easily see what the issues are at Chelsea, and it's not him. So, listen, I understand their frustrations, but my frustration if I was a Chelsea fan would be kind of and apparently apparently there's news that Todd Bowley's removing himself from being kind of that football director vibe, uh, even though he's the owner. So he's apparently removing himself, which would be good. You just need to have a, a director of football that's going to have a good connection with the manager, don't you? Yeah, I think that's the the best way forward. I think you'd see that within the bigger teams like Liverpool, City, Arsenal now as well with bringing in Edu, for example. Now, he has that connection with Arteta and the board where a player that they want in the market, it's easy for... He's basically the middleman for any manager and the, and the board. And I think with Chelsea not having that, it kind of affects... Potter not being able to either train the team or he's too focused on other stuff where he shouldn't even be worried about. And I think, like Alex Ferguson had, um, David Gill, who he spoke to, he did his, he gave him his research, he wanted these players, and he did the job of going out and getting these players. Now, there's no point of him stressing about, oh, I can't get this person or, or another person. So I, I think that's the biggest worry that Chelsea have at the moment is not having a football. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I think... I think if they get to the se- the end of the season, I do think it won't even be a sack, and I think it'll be mutual consent because I do think if I'm Graham Potter, I wouldn't have gone to Chelsea when he did. I would have waited for the inevitable Conte leaving Tottenham, and I think that's a perfect job for him because he's going to be given the patience. They have a very good recruitment team. He's going to be given the ability to build from scratch. I think a lot, some of their players, top players, might leave in the summer. I'll be honest. Mm. Kane potentially leaving. We have to keep an eye on that one in the summer because he's got one year left on his contract. He's not going to resign. Manchester City, Manchester United, potentially, even Chelsea, with the way they're spending, might be looking at him. So I think if he goes to Spurs in the summer, I want to see him at Spurs in the summer. Obviously, it depends on how the rest of the season goes. 
Um, but of course, we mentioned Atletico Madrid now. Over the weekend, they lost 1-0 to Barcelona. To be fair, they played really well in that game. Uh, they played really well against Barcelona. But of course, the Jao Felix news uh, coming out uh, regarding his transfer to Chelsea was interesting because he was linked mainly with Arsenal and it looked like they kind of hijacked that deal. Uh, and then yesterday, we saw some news that potentially Simeone will finally leave Atletico Madrid. Now, I think this might have been a long time coming. The, what he's done with Atletico Madrid is historic. He's a legend of that club. They're probably going to build him a statue. He's He's been incredible for them. Um, but I think there's been a level of frustration from not necessarily Atletico fans, but you know people that watch football like us that sees the level of talent they have and is kind of frustrated at the way that they're being used. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that he's leaving now. He's the best paid manager in the world, of course, notoriously. Um, wh- where do you think Atletico go? Where do you think Simeone goes from here, if it's indeed true that he leaves in the summer? It's kind of deserved that a manager of that caliber kind of leaves on a good note with, obviously, the fans and the board happy with what he's done with the club, um, having won them multiple La Liga trophies and kind of winning them a lot of European trophies and like the Europa League and so on. And obviously, look, they've got to... A couple of Champions League finals, which were, which they were a bit unfortunate with. I think the fans can't really ask for more, but obviously, as as neutrals, kind of want more from Simeone, knowing that look, they've got numerous amounts of talent within the squad, and for him to play a more defensive setup uh, for the team, it's kind of frustrating because you're restricting players like Griezmann, like Jao Felix, like Carrasco, and so on. The ability to kind of show and entertain the fans of what they want to see. And I think it's it's kind of sad that it has come to an end. And I think it, it's a perfect time in I, a way. I think it's, it looks like it's kind of mutual consent. And I, I kind of think it's the good timing, to be fair. I think what we'll see is both of them kind of go on to bigger and better. I think maybe better, arguably, maybe, maybe not. I think he ends up at Chelsea. I heard one of, one of the guys said it in one of the group chats the other day. I think he goes Chelsea. That's a weird sign. There's always been links between him and Chelsea for the last decade. Every time they look for a manager, Simeone's name's been been about. And I'm I'm assuming that they are gonna get rid of Potter at the end of the okay, season. Let's say they do get rid of Potter. They're, I think Simeone goes there, bro. Simeone. They've gone through too many managers to be but, fair. But then the thing is, Simeone knows he's not gonna get enough time to kind of build the team that he wants. Nah, nah, nah. I think Secondly, I think Simeone's caliber is because of what he's done in the past. I think that buys him some time. Okay. The reality is any manager going to Chelsea is going to need time because a lot of the players aren't their players. So but, like, with that okay. logic, no manager is going to perform No, no, okay, Chelsea. okay. I understand that. But then, okay, let's just say, for example, now, Simeone himself, he needs to produce and he needs to kind of give the Chelsea fans that entertaining football that nah, Tuchel not played. necessarily. I disagree. I, I, honestly, I Chelsea don't think... Chelsea have had Conte and Mourinho, bro. They, 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 for them, it's all about winning. Chelsea aren't a team that's almost like built on nice football or anything necessarily. No, but okay, you know, built around winning, at that time, no matter how. You know, at that time, Jose Mourinho, um, Ancelotti and these guys. Conte, and, Conte. Ancelotti is uh, yeah. elite. Conte, okay. Conte. We're talking Let's about Conte. Let's say Conte and Mourinho. At that time, at that era, this passing football no, from the back but we're not someone ta- we're wasn't not talking, built on. We're not talking about ages ago, bro. Chelsea are the last team to win the Premier League that wasn't Liverpool City. Like, you know, Conte it, it no. hasn't been that long since he's won it. No, yeah, and, I know. But and, I mean, like the way he won it was fine with people. Like I feel with Chelsea, it doesn't really matter how we play. Honestly, I think fans now, because obviously they've not really seen much from the Potter football or 
kind of showing the fans, okay, look, there's glimpses that he can either improve the team or kind of show that free-flowing football. But isn't their frustration more the fact that they're not winning rather than the football? Uh, no, but I think, okay, if I you're... I think per- that's the bigger frustration. You no, know, 100%, but then if, if you're performing and you're kind of getting beaten by the better teams like City, for example, but you're still showing the performance week in, week out, they can trust, okay, you know what? The performance levels yeah, are still but, there. Yeah, but listen, we're not talking about Potter. We're talking about Simeone. With Simeone coming in, the team will perform to a high level because I feel like he's the kind of guy who can pick up any set of players and make them play to the, to the way he wants. So, I, I don't know. Listen, it's just an idea. Yeah, I don't know whether no, he'll go for it or not because he might go somewhere else. I, I think, on the other hand, I think I would love to see someone like Enrique going to, going to Atletico. Good. I think that makes sense. Wow. No, I think yeah, I think they they deserve it now. I think Atletico, a different style of football, uh, more of the passing, similar to like the Barcelona and Real Madrid now. But yeah, no, it's gonna be interesting to see. Yeah, uh, that that'll be that'll be a good one to to look out for. A final note, kind of uh, as as we before we leave uh, and talk about basketball, um, the the race for the Scudetto is is heating up and it's a quite a close close uh, top of the table at the moment uh, for for Serie A, excluding Napoli, of course, who are first at the moment. But, you know, we have we have Napoli clear in first, who are seven points ahead of Juventus. But then we have Juventus on 37 points. We'll talk about them because they've been in sensational form. Uh, Milan on 37, Inter on 34, Lazio, Atlanta and Roma all on 31. So you're talking about six points separating second to seventh. That's tight that is you know a couple of wins and you're in the champions league spots comfortably and a couple of losses and you're not even in european football uh it's qu- i i find it quite entertaining that Serie A is as close as it is because we've had a few years of course not recently but we're used to seeing kind of the same three or four teams but now with the number of teams that are kind of interchanging every season in the champions league we're seeing a different set of teams uh it's, it's quite entertaining isn't it yeah i think they've kind of kind of gone back to the the older fashion of Multiple teams kind of challenging for the title. Previously, it was just Juventus and Inter Milan in the past couple of years. But I think it's good to see now that the competitive side of Sierra is kind of coming along. And it's kind of, I think that competitive side of Sierra now is pushing to be one of the best leagues in, in the top five European leagues. And I think, obviously, Premier League is up there as one of the best, like a lot of players and fans know. But I think Syria could be second at this point. And we said it at the start of the season how entertaining it is, and it's proven to be to be true. Listen, maybe not all of them play entertaining football, like events, for example. But listen, events in the last in the league since October, okay? They played eight games. They've won eight games. They they were horrible at the start of the season. Remember, twenty four points from twenty four points, fourteen goals scored. That's the well, the point I was making about not necessarily, you know, blowing teams away, mm. but zero goals conceded. That's proper Juventus, Allegri, defensive kind of Italian football. So it's it's very entertaining to see kind of the 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 level of football being played there, and it's quite interesting. Let me ask you this: actually, what's your ideal top four in Syria? Like, what are the four teams that you want to see in the Champions League? Uh, in in no order, I probably have to say Napoli, uh, Milan, um, Inter, and probably Juventus. Ooh, see for me, bro, I want to see Roma in there because I love Roma. I've loved Roma for you know since the Francesco Totti days. They've been kind of the one of the teams that I root for. AC Milan, they you know if I had to have an Italian team, it'll be AC Milan. Uh, I'm gonna go Napoli. They're just so fun to watch at the moment. You know, one of the best teams in the world at the moment. 
And I'm going to go for uh, Juventus as well. Inter Milan I like, but sometimes there's something off about them. Juventus, historic club. So I, I want to see Roma. I don't know whether they'll make it, but I, I would love to see them back in the Champions League. That's all for, for our football section. Let's kind of uh, end off uh, the podcast by talking about the NBA. And not a lot of kind of uh, news coming out of there. Teams have been going along through their season. We're close to the all-star break now. The Lakers have been on a re- de- decent run of form, as well, to be fair. Le- LeBron's been putting up numbers, like we said last week. The significant news coming out from the East, though, is that the Nets have lost KD to an MCL. Now, good news in the fact that it's not an ACL, therefore he's not going to be out for, you know, a year, but he's going to be out for a month. Now, Kyrie has to step up now. How do you think they perform without KD? Because KD was performing at an MVP level, wasn't he? Yeah. Do you think that uh, Kyrie will be enough to kind of carry them through? And how do you think they need to perform to still have a high seed by the time that KD comes back? I think the Nets have had... A kind of a, a weird start to the year. Um, they start off really bad, and then now that with the new change of manager and, and now with the new change of coach, the, everything seems that they've gelled in well. Um, KD, Kyrie, and the whole team just kind of seems that they've, they they want to win a, a championship and they want to win this ring. KD is a big blow, and everyone knows that, uh, rightly so. But I think the form that Kyrie's in at the moment, uh, I think it's it's insane. Um, with KD being out, I think you want the likes of Ben Simmons to kind of come in. We've seen what he's, we've seen what Ben Simmons has done in the past, and you're hoping that he can now bring in and show the fans what he's made of. And I think this is yeah, his time I, now I to shine. I think more than anything, he just needs to show that he can be someone who can carry a team. I don't think they have to go perfect. I think if they stay around 500 without KD. That's that's very good. Um, and I think that will be kind of enough to kind of keep him in the top three seeds. Milwaukee, listen, I know Milwaukee have had a lot of injuries. They don't, they're not very, very impressive. I think they're a team that Brooklyn can beat. Boston, of course, are the team to to beat in in the conference. But uh, listen, KD has been performing, like I said, on an absolute elite level. He's he's genuinely been one of the one of the best players in the league. I think, I think if we didn't have the performances in the in the West from some of the players that we have had. He'd be the favourite for the uh, MVP. Uh, I think this missing a month now is going to be a bit interesting. I don't think he'll he he'll be in the running because of that. But uh, the All Star break around the corner, which is a signal that we are very not we are around you know halfway through at the moment, not far off from the end of the season. So things are about to get interesting in the NBA. So we look forward to that. And of course, uh, the closer we get to the playoffs, the more storylines will develop. Osama, thank you for joining me this week, as always. Yeah, it's been a pleasure as usual, man. Uh, And thank you guys for listening in with us uh, and joining us this week. Make sure to tune in next week after the NFL playoffs, of course, and the return of the Premier League, the Manchester Derby on the weekend. So that'll be a good one to to look back on. Uh, And until next week, keep it locked.